Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 274 of the Fun with Cars, Formula One, and other motorsports podcast, or episode 8, that's right, we did it, of 2021. I'm Robin Warner, and today I'm joined by the man that explained to me that rugby does not involve rugs at all, Christopher Roche. Hi, Chris. Good morning, Robin. Happy St. David's Day. Yes, yes, that's exactly. I've got all my St. David's colors on. It is Monday morning, March 1st, and we are going to talk about the latest Formula One news. And there's actually not all that much of it. I know that Red Bull kind of sort of quasi-released-ish their uh, RB16B, I think they're calling it. But uh, what else is going on, Chris? Yeah, Red Bull's the, the big news story for this week. There's also some Alfa Romeo news, a little bit of Ferrari news, and a couple of other bits and pieces. Should we start with Red Bull? Yes, let's. The three-day reveal that was only it like a hint at what that car will be. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of secrecy uh, around all the car launches at the moment. So first of all, it's hard to spot the difference. And then uh, we're finding out that most of the significant changes are, are being hidden from us anyway. So we're not going to find out what these cars really look like until the first test or first race. Um, Red Bull went as far as they, they ran the 15 last year's uh, chassis at Silverstone for uh, Sergio Perez. And then they ran the 16B the following day, and all of the pictures released were of the 15 <laughs> being yeah. run by Sergio. Um, and uh, it's clear they don't want to show their hand too early, but there's, a, there's an awful lot of optimism coming out of Red Bull. Um, the highlight for me was that Sergio is going to go for a championship run, so he's, he's pumped up. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, as... As are the other drivers, I'm imagining Sergio is thinking that this could be a good year. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, we're we're in that we're in that happy time, and it's nice to see some of that normalcy. In fact, of all the drivers saying, "I think this could be a good year for us." But you know, to be fair to Sergio Perez or Checo, he's in the best positions he's ever been to go after a title. The teammate being who he is obviously will be a big roadblock to that but it's I, you could argue that he has fewer roadblocks roadblocks now than he's ever had before well i was reading an interesting piece about his uh, first time around at a top team when he'd spent two seasons at at uh, salba when he first came into the sport and then got promoted to mclaren for 2013 right. alongside jensen button after yes. uh, uh, after Lewis had switched to Mercedes and of course you know a lot was expected of him and he, he had a pretty torrid year only one one season before he was released um, Button pretty much outperformed him across the season and so I guess he, he's hoping to learn from those struggles and, and um, be a bit more competitive in a top line team against a top line driver this year I think that Jensen Button not only Jensen Button ultimately outperformed him, but Sergio did show real moments of serious pace, but that he did not show good control over those moments. And so he'd be fast, but in kind of a reckless way. And I think that Jensen Button really didn't like Sergio Perez. <laughs> I don't think they got on as teammates at all. And uh, that that made it that made part of the struggle. 
Yeah, interestingly, the comments he made after his first run in a Red Bull was that he could understand why some drivers struggled to adapt to it, that he found it quite different to what he was used to with uh, Force India, uh, Racing Point, Aston Martin, whatever you want to call that team that he just uh, left. Um, I'd like to call it Jordan. (laughs) There you go. And then, uh, of course, um, you know, we then had Albon actually at the test to support the two drivers for this season and he was commenting that he thinks that most of the handling characteristics that he struggled with last year have been ironed out and of course he would have been in in line for the title if he'd been in the car so yeah it's it's a fantastic bubble of positivity yes absolutely and you know that is a bit of a twist of the knife for poor Albon I mean he's there to do his job he gets paid well for it I'm not asking for people to cry for him but that would be frustrating to have to be there and have the new guy stepping in right in front of you. Absolutely. I can, I can imagine the frustration. Um, so Ma- there, Max himself, just the last comment on that, Max himself was yeah, fairly yeah. low-key. I think he, uh, uh, there's rumors circulating that he might be in line for Mercedes-Benz seat in 22. He's playing that down. He's playing down his conclusions from his first run in the new car, saying, well, what can you really tell? You're on demo tires. You know, it was cold at Silverstone. We're basically just going through systems checks. So very low-key, which I think is actually quite a good good thing for Max Verstappen fans, that he's not uh, uh, getting carried away. He, he understands it's going to be a tough season. Uh, there's no doubt that even if Red Bull and Honda have made a step forward, he'll have a battle on his hands to win the title. So, um, so yeah, he was, he was downplaying his chances, but with that sort of steely determination that we've come to know from Max... Uh, so that was a, another interesting comment. And then Honda, I think, were, were quite bullish. They talked a, a little bit about how most of the upgrades for this year were actually planned for 22 if they'd stayed in the sport. But because they obviously decided to leave, uh, and, and this is their final yeah, official year in the sport, running under Honda, um, they, they brought all those changes forward. So they've done a major aggressive up- upgrade to their powertrain uh, with the hope to try and pinch a title before they leave Formula One now, again. So... Explain that one to me, because how, why would you, why would you sit on changes until twenty two if you had them? Uh, I'm is this is this amount is this about the amount of tokens you can spend on an engine? And Honda didn't want to necessarily spend them all, but now that they're out, they said, well, let's just throw it all in. I'm confused that they would hold back until twenty two for any of this stuff in the first place. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, you're the man that understands Honda psychology, I think, better than I, <laughs> I you're, you're a big supporter of, of Honda and Acura and all things. Uh, well, right now, with, so. at this moment, I have given Honda... Um, I've given Honda 100% of my earnings so far this year uh, as, as donation. Or 0% or any number of percent <laughs> you want to suggest. <laughs> so, I mean... I, I think it just, so, so we'll come on to this later in the podcast, but the launches this year have been a little bit of a, what I would term a damp squib, so they haven't really caught on and nobody's really showing or telling or revealing too much. And so I think in the absence of any real information exchange, they're just sort of making stuff up. I mean, I agree with you. Why on earth, if, if you're trying to win a championship, you're not going to hold off for a, for a year. You're going to introduce it as soon as you can because otherwise... 
you know, the, the sport moves on and you'll find new things to add in 22 if you stay. So it's a exactly. bit of a, mind, a head scratcher. And I don't think it's related to the tokens at all. I mean, there are rules and limitations around powertrain development, but you know, clearly there's nothing stopping them introducing these changes. So why they wouldn't have planned on that is, is a mystery. So uh, you explained this to me once before, but I have forgotten, as is the way of a broken brain, a damp squib. What is a squib? Um, yeah, I knew you were going to ask me that question. So it, it relates back to munitions from World War One. So if you if you if you uh, if you're firing hand grenades in the type uh, to your opposition and you you light the uh, the fuse and it fails to ignite, that's a damp squib. Is my understanding. So, so a squib is a fuse. I don't think it is, but you've caught me on a hop here, and I meant to look that up before this uh, podcast. <laughs> no, but but no, essentially, it's, totally it's something. It, it, it means that you, you, your munition didn't go off because it's damp, right? Got so it. It, okay. it doesn't ignite. That's generally the gist, but I'm sure uh, anyone interested could look it up and get a more detailed, well, more accurate definition. <laughs> let me, let me, for asking that question, putting you on the spot. Let me reveal uh, something I learned not that long ago. I've known it for a little while now. But uh, when you hear the term, they go the whole nine yards, um, that is a reference uh, to World War as well. Um, the rounds of machine guns, if you exhausted the entire round of the machine gun, that, the round was nine yards long. So if you, ex if you fired every single one of your rounds uh, out of the machine gun, you went the whole nine yards. So that's where that comes from. Um, I don't know if that's World War One or World War Two. I know very little about war, but I know that random fact. There you go. So, so the wiki wiktionary tells me that it's actually a firework that has been wet and therefore fails to go off. I thought there was a war connotation there, but maybe I, I'm wrong on that one. But it yeah. essentially, it means anything that doesn't work properly or fails to come up to expectations or a dud. Yeah. So, yeah. And, so, and I think I think that's apropos to these launches, and it is a. I mean. I will say, though, it is, as these reveals happen, it's making McLaren's reveal look better. Uh, they were one of the early ones, and I thought it was a bit odd. But, they, you know, considering what else we're seeing so far, they've done a darn reasonable job, really. Yeah, because the Alfa Romeo launch, um, the two fascinating things about that was the chassis for this season is called a C41. And guess what? The last one was C39. So somehow they've skipped 40. Uh, so that's a that's a fascinating aspect well uh, they're a smaller team we can't expect them, them to be the best counters i mean <laughs> they've, got, they've got a lot of other things to worry about they launched it in poland for reasons that weren't entirely clear and they changed the color color scheme uh, to slightly more white on top and more red on the bottom and that's pretty much the highlights from that um the uh the, the big claim is that fred vasseur wants to be top of the midfield at some point in the future. So they're really going for it, Alfa Romeo. Yes, and I remember us having a discussion before about what top in the mid-pack kind of means because it's a bizarre thing to, to shoot for. It's like, aim for the stars, but the, but, but the close stars. Don't, don't go for the far-reaching stars. Let's just keep it to the close ones. So you said there was some Ferrari news as well. Uh, well, Ferrari have created a whole new type of launch. This was a team launch, uh, which didn't involve the car at all. Um, so uh, another strange quirk of 2021 Formula One. Uh, they, 
they did talk about the car, and I guess th- there is a little bit of news. So they obviously they introduced Carlos. Um, they, we caught up with uh, Matteo Bonotto and uh, Charles, um, and you know a lot of bullish noises. How the SF21 has dramatically improved aero efficiency, and the all new engines performing great on the dyno, and they expect to be you know much more competitive this season. And you'd expect them to say that, but of course. Good powertrain from Ferrari will help Alfa Romeo's cause as, as well. Um, more interestingly than the team launch was uh, the, the news that Carlos has been doing quite a bit of running. He ran uh, in January at Jerez on the, uh, it was actually a, a 19 mule car with mm. the 18 inch wheels. And uh, oh. apparently, he, apparently he crashed the car. But they were, they were at the team launch, they didn't want to talk about that. So, so he, yeah, he's, he's had a bit of running on the 19 in, in, a, in a strange situation. And he was also, he's also run at Fiorano in the 18 car. Um, mm. and, uh, but he's expecting to take some time to get settled. He's saying that with a, the with a limited running pre-season this year, with a, just one three-day test, um, he's not expected to be 100% at, at the first race in Bahrain, which I think would apply to all of the guys switching teams or the rookies, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to take them a little bit more to, to get up to speed, given the lack of running. Um, so the other, the other announcement, not Formula One related by Ferrari, was that they're going to they're going to race in the WEC in 2023 with a new uh, hypercar. Yes, so back at, yes, back yes, at yes. They, well, yeah. uh, Jonathan Gitlin would very much appreciate you uh, saying uh, something about that. In fact, you know, there's there's some endurance racing news to discuss, and I definitely want to get him back on the podcast to do so. But uh, he'll he'll very much appreciate you mentioning some endurance racing. Yeah, so nine times winner of Le Mans, Ferrari will be back in in twenty three. So that'll be exciting if we have some of these, uh, you know, heavyweights of the uh, hyper supercar world going at it. I think that'll that'll uh, revitalize interest in in Le Mans for sure. So that'll be well. Fun. And Porsche is going to come back to the top category as well. So right. we have Porsche and Ferrari uh, there. So we just need to get Ford in, and mm-hmm. uh, we'll Jaguar will be good. Absolute cracker. Yeah, Jaguar is an interesting one though because they've committed as an automotive company to be full electric, and uh, and very very soon I believe twenty twenty five, and I'd I'd have to I don't know if it was fully electrified by twenty twenty five and eventually full electric I'd have to go back and read more closely. That's actually really shameful on my part to not know more detail. But I think they are. I think it is full, full electric, a full electric brand, Tesla style, um, in twenty five. You're right, and and of course they're in Formula E, and they won a race over the weekend in Formula E. So, um, yes. so yeah, that you're, you're, and Formula you're, E is you know, I'm sorry to interject, but the, I just want to make the, that is largely spec racing, not entirely, but they're you know that's a much much tighter set of rules. Oh, than, absolutely. Yeah. Than generally, yeah, yeah. Okay, please go on. So the other the other. Bits of news I have is that it has been confirmed that Alonso will miss the Alpine car launch. He's not able to fly to England for that uh, that launch, and so uh, they're putting it down to his obviously recovery from his uh, recent crash on his bicycle where he fractured his jaw. Um, so I, they're not talking about uh, testing availability or race availability, but he's certainly not going to be at the launch. So. Um, so that's a worrying uh, sign for Alonso and Alpine fans, if there are actually any yet. Um, and then, <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, I don't know about you, but Alpine really doesn't mean much to me at all. Does it mean anything to you? I don't know. They had a sports car back in the in the sixties, and they've relaunched yeah. the brand recently. Have you driven the new Alpine? It's supposed to handle pretty well, right? Yeah. No, I have not. Uh, no. Yeah. Right. So it doesn't really register much in in the, the average car enthusiast's uh, um, consciousness. I would suggest um, the other news was out of Formula One. So uh, positive and negative. They do expect Formula One does expect spectators at the majority of 2021 races. So that's good. Um, uh, I, I am a little nervous though. I did get an interesting email from uh, Cota. Uh, asking me if I'd like to spend a thousand dollars or more on a race ticket, and I was like, "No thanks. I'd like to just buy a general entry ticket, as per usual." So I don't know if they're planning on on allowing limited numbers of spectators, and therefore they're going to go high end across the board, and and eliminate things like general entry. I think that would be a real shame if that's where they end up going. I'm purely speculating based on a questionnaire they asked me to complete but uh, <laughs> but I guess from a positive perspective we're expecting spectators at, at most of the races which should be great from an atmospheric point of view and local attendance um, the other the other thing was they the Formula One incurred a huge loss of almost 400 million dollars for last year which I guess wasn't entirely unexpected uh, obviously revenue was um, significantly down from race promotion fees TV fees um, but they don't seem to think that that's going to lead to a long-term issue. But obviously that then has a knock-on effect for all the teams. They get less less money um, from their contractual uh, fees for running in, in the sport. Um, so it has you know trickle-down effect. But, uh, but that was the main headlines, really. Got it. And just to go back to the Jaguar all-electric point, the, the part that was confusing me and making me sound vague about it, Jaguar is going to be all electric by 2025, but Jaguar Land Rover, which is now one company, the Land Rover yep. side is not uh, necessarily going to be all electric until um, into the 2030s, and that that's the that's the because um, Jaguar Land Rover as a company, they're not going to be all electric by 2025, but the Jaguar brand will be. That's the that's so. The, what you're uh, saying is that Land Rover Land Rover could compete at Le Mans, but Jaguar has to stay in Formula E. Yeah, exactly. The Land Rover, the Land Rover hybrid makes much more sense. <laughs> um, one little piece of news that I it's that uh, I wanted to share. Um, it's very small, but uh, Jamie Chadwick, the reigning uh, W Series champion, is going to continue as a Williams test driver, development driver, largely work on the sim. She, uh, I was nervous about that because she was a Williams development driver when it was under the Williams family control, but I didn't know if she'd be retained afterwards. So I'm happy to see that she'll still be uh, performing work for Williams. And um, she will apparently be there for some race weekends, but I don't think it's a joining them trackside, but I don't think she there's going to be any plans for her being in the car. And uh so well, she'll be, at the, she'll be at some of the F1 races anyway because she's re-signed for the W Series and the exactly W Series right. is on the yep. support grid, right? Yeah, exactly right. And that makes sense because, you know, her her season last year had some promising parts, but it was only it – wasn't, it wasn't a breakout season. And in that same amount of time, the W Series has gained in prominence. So now instead of uh, being support race for DTM, now it's support race for Formula One. So – Obviously, there's uh, more eyeballs are going to be on the W Series this time around. So she has 
lots of reasons to want to uh, race in the W Series again in 2021 and try to uh, hold on and be not only the first double champion of the W Series and the uh, overall record holder for championships hold, but the only champion of the W Series um, for the entirety of that uh, race's existence, that championship's existence. So that's a that's a fun thing to hold on to. Yeah, that's cool. So the, the the sort of strange nature of these F1 launches this year sort of uh, led me to reminisce about some of the some of the great launches back in the day. And I and I there's been a couple of articles that I've did some YouTube video watching of some of the original launches just for amusement. And uh, I don't know if you remember any of them, but I thought I'd highlight a few. Yeah, uh, please. To uh, to get your your memory bank stirring, so McLaren had a quite a good track record of pretty significant launches. Um, back in '97, uh, they launched at the Alexandra Palace in London. Uh, they had a full stage uh, effort going, and they had the Spice Girls and Jamiroquai perform <laughs> during their launch. Wow! Wow! <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was a yeah. full concert. It went on for some time. And, um, you know, David and, and Mika were there talking uh, talking about their expectations. And so uh, they also had a... Ten years later, they turned up in Valencia and managed to do a demo of their 06 car as well as launching their, their Challenger for 2007. So, you know, they, um, they have... Uh, they have done some pretty pretty spectacular launches in the past, but I think the king of the big launch was the old Benetton team, which of course is the team based at Enstone, which is now Alpine Formula. Formula I mean, uh, and with Flavio Briatore, I mean, absolutely, I can, I can only imagine. So three launches particularly stand out from them. In '96, they launched in a Sicilian amphitheater. In 2000, they were in Barcelona, but the the. The absolute winner was 2001, where they they went to Venice, you know, that well-known Formula One mecca, and um, they, they revealed the car, which seemed to be encased in in, in a what like, looked like a, an overly sized goldfish tank. It looked like it was completely submerged in water before it was revealed, and they had none <laughs> other than Jensen Button, Fernando Alonso, Giancarlo Fisichella, and Mark Webber at the reveal. I have no idea why they had those four drivers. Wow. <laughs> and uh, quite a spectacular lineup, really. And um, yeah, they. They had it in the San Marco Piazza and uh, full bells and whistles. So uh, I think it was the last year they launched a car as under the Benetton uh, name. And so they well, went that's the why it didn't do so well if they weighed it down with a bunch of bells and whistles. So, <laughs> I, made a nice sound, though. <laughs> I bet it did. Yeah, it's, you know, it's funny because th- that used to be a big, big deal and it was a big part. I think there was just kind of this like competition for grandioseness and that was part of the flair of formula one and i think that was part the strategic side of it was you get big business interested because you throw the best parties of sorts and that would include the reveal party yeah and uh obviously uh, things at formula one grew and that got bigger and bigger and then we had you know big the big economic crash um you know in 08 and uh all these things that really, really shut those things down and made it a much smaller affair. And uh, now we're in this new era of the sport. I don't know if we'll ever see grandiose reveals like that for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I think it was all related to having large sponsors 
uh, you know, lead sponsor exactly. on board. Yeah, yeah. And, and who can you even name a lead sponsor these days? It's you know, it's all sort of a little bit cloak and dagger. I mean, you've got Marlboro still supporting Ferrari, but you can't see their you know, logos on the car. They can't talk about Marlboro. It's it's kind of a weird sort of non-sponsorship. So you can't yeah. exactly have an elaborate launch for a, for a brand well, that you, you can't even mention. <laughs> Ferrari Red and Marlboro Red are uh, very uh, fortunately close to each other. And uh, that's as much of it as anything, you know, is that the fact that you can... Uh, associate those two cars together, Marlboro and Ferrari, even though it's been whatever, 20 years, 15 years since it's been allowed to be truly public, you know, that's, that's the magic of that. And I suppose that's why it's worth money to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, if you're missing classic F1 car launches, uh, spend a little bit of time on, on the internet and you can uh, quench your thirst. Well, speaking of sponsors, I am very happy to announce, proud to announce that Fun With Cars has a sponsor. Oh, wow. And Great. Y- yeah. Yeah. Um, Fun With Cars is being sponsored by the YouTube channel Robin Warner. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a great sponsorship. Yeah. It, it, it's it's uh, purely coincidental. Yes. Robin Warner is going to be sponsoring Fun With Cars and uh, all... all all you have to do is go to YouTube, uh, YouTube uh, backslash C backslash Robin Warner or forward slash. I don't know what's, which slash is which, to be honest. And uh, you can go to Robin Warner's YouTube channel and check out his car reviews and car news and all kinds of other stuff. And it's a super fantastic place to go, super exciting. And I'll just a little bit of inside knowledge. I actually spoke with Robin Warner personally about this, and I, I think he's a stand-up guy, too. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. <laughs> yes. So, uh, is the if I think I mean this in a lot of ways this was kind of uh, uh, kind of relaxing that we didn't have any major news to discuss in terms because if there was something too major too often it's usually because something dramatic has happened. So it's nice that everyone is safe and calm and in their homes. Uh, you know, we don't have big COVID breakouts to talk about, and, uh, cycling mm-hmm. accidents, anything like that. The car launches are happening as secretive as they are. They're le- happening as they should, and they're slowly creeping out. And we're, what, two weeks away from seeing the cars in Bahrain on track? Yeah, exactly. I mean, most of the rest of the teams will launch this week, and then starting on the 12th, we'll have, uh, we'll have Formula One cars on track that we can actually see and hear and watch. So that, that's good news. It's getting closer. And, and as far as here in Michigan. yeah, exactly right, exactly right. Sunshine is here, the snow is melting, and it is a wonderful place to be. I and I, I'm, in terms of podcast, we'll definitely stay on top of Formula One news. But we are due to cover some endurance racing stuff. There has been some endurance racing news, and also, you know, I'm itching to talk about uh, IndyCar coming up very soon. But in the meantime, I want to. Thank you for listening. Please take a moment to review us on iTunes or on whatever platform you get our podcasts. Please leave comments on the episode of your choice by going to funwithcars.com. As always, I can be reached at feedback at funwithcars.com. Tweet us at fun underscore with underscore cars. And check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash fwcars. Chris, it was a wonderful chat this morning. Thank you very much. Thank you, Robin. I'm Robin Warner. Goodbye. Goodbye.